Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this edition of the Pigpen Podcast, the team officially belongs to Dwayne Haskins. He is quarterback number one. Should we think about signing Mohamed Sanu, who was just cut by the New England Patriots, and we'll have the latest on Dirty Dan and what ESPN is doing that could get Dan Snyder out of D.C.? Let's get it rolling. Drag up that diesel. What's good? This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. We got a lot to get through here as we are checking the calendar here. 10 days away from D.C., I almost said the Redskins, from the Washington football team taking on the Philadelphia Eagles for week one of the NFL season. It has absolutely flown by this offseason has, I think mostly because we haven't been paying a, a, a ton a ton of attention, I would say, to football, at least on the national media landscape, because we don't have any preseason and training camp has been very, very weird, but it's here. Football season is officially here. We are good to go. We are locked and loaded, and we got a lot of stuff to break down. Well, we're going to start at the quarterback spot, but as always, before we get into everything, be sure, if you're not already, uh, to go join the Hogs Haven community and subscribe to the Hogs Haven podcast feed. All right, so we have our quarterback number one, Ron Rivera took the liberty, and made it official. We knew it was happening, but Ron Rivera said that Dwayne Haskins is quarterback number one for the Washington football team. So I went ahead and announced that uh, Dwayne Haskins will be our starter day one, okay? Um, And we're going to go forward with that. Well, just so you guys don't ask that question anymore, um, (laughs) you know exactly who our starter is. Um, but more importantly, our players know who our starter is. And, and, and you know, this was a, this was a little bit different training camp than I had anticipated. You know, we got into a situation where we weren't playing any preseason games, and it was going to be hard to really do a, 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 a true competition in terms of the way I would have liked to see it unfold, um, where, you know, you start one guy one week, you start another guy the next week. Um, without having that, uh, that ability or that opportunity, um, you know, I, I kind of made the decision to go ahead and go with the fact that uh, we wanted to have Dwayne get as many reps with the ones going forward. And that's what we did. So we stuck to that. And again, Dwayne's lived up to everything that he and I talked about back in, uh, back in the middle of January. He really has. And, and I've been very pleased with uh, his effort, yes. with his attitude and the way he approached everything. Big shout out to whoever Zoom wasn't muted at the end of that, uh, that comment there by Ron Rivera at the press conference. That, that was not me. Blame whoever's Zoom that was. But there's the comments from Ron Rivera naming Dwayne Haskins quarterback one 
of the Washington football team. This is exactly what we thought was going to happen. This is exactly as Ron Rivera stated towards the end of that comments before it was interrupted by that rogue Zoom uh, noise. This is what they talked about in January. One of the key parts in Ron Rivera coming here to D.C. was because Dwayne Haskins, more or less, kicked him out of Carolina. Dwayne was a huge reason, along with an eight-game losing streak, as to why Ron Rivera is no longer in Carolina. So he saw some things from Dwayne Haskins that made him think, I shouldn't even take any other interviews. Because he didn't. Ron Rivera was expected to take a couple interviews with the head coaching spot at uh, various other different teams, and he decided, nope, D.C. is where he wanted to be, and a large part of that was to Dwayne Haskins. I also think part of it was because of some of the pieces we have on defense, specifically the defensive line. But Dwayne Haskins did play a role in bringing Ron Rivera here to D.C. So the fact that Ron Rivera, who started his tenure here, kind of not really giving Dwayne Haskins any praise at all, it was very few and far between, operating under the idea of intense competition, which I I had a love-hate relationship with. I would have much rather had Ron Rivera say more positive things about Dwayne Haskins, but at the same time, if it all gets us to the same end goal, that's all that really matters. And the end goal in this situation being that Dwayne Haskins is starting week one for the Washington football team, and it seems like those two guys have a very good relationship with one another. That's just me looking from the outside. I don't have any like sources on that, but it seems like those two guys have a really good relationship with one another, and if that's if all of kind of the weird and like vague comments that he made in like February and March and April and leading up to the draft, if that all got us to here, I'm perfectly okay with it because I wanted Dwayne Haskins to be the guy. I've made that no secret at all. I'm a Dwayne Haskins guy, but it is interesting that Ron Rivera did allude to the fact that we don't have preseason as one of the main reasons that this decision was made because it sure sounded like the plan was to give a couple of different guys, I would assume, Kyle Allen, obviously, and maybe give Alex Smith a little bit of time in the preseason games if we were actually playing preseason. And I hate the fact that we don't have it. And I know I'm not alone in this, but I hate the fact that we don't have preseason. One, because it would give me a lot more to talk about, and we could actually talk about like competition battles and things of that nature with stuff that we're actually seeing. I have lived vicariously through the Twitter accounts of people that cover the team which isn't a bad thing because we have great people that cover the team, but I stated this on the last podcast last week, I want to see what is actually happening. Like, I get that some people don't like preseason because a lot of us will start making, like, preseason hot takes. I understand that, but I like seeing what's happening, and I like using what I have seen to make my opinions off of instead of doing it off of Twitter. And I know what I think Dwayne Haskins can be and what I think that he has been doing so far this offseason, but it would have been nice to see him get some some real game action. So I understand where Ron Rivera is coming from with that, and I also understand that, look, Kyle Allen is not the guy. He's a very solid backup. I thought people blew it way out of proportion when we traded for him, just anointing him as a guy that could compete with Dwayne Haskins for the starting quarterback job. I mean, we have made a ton of jokes, and rightfully so, about how the Washington football team in large parts has become the Washington Panthers because of all of the guys that Ron Rivera worked with in Carolina that are now a part of this organization, and Kyle Allen is one of those guys. 
But at the same time, you got to realize that an eight-game losing streak, and Rivera wasn't part, wasn't there for all of it. He, I think he made it to six of the eight games. And Kyle Allen was the quarterback for seven of the eight games. But those two guys are intertwined in there. And it didn't make a whole lot of sense if one guy is going to lose, you know, seven consecutive games for you and end up with you getting fired to just bring him over to another spot and just anoint him the starting quarterback. So I thought those hot takes were outlandish to to say the least. And I thought this was always Dwayne's job to to both win and lose, I guess. I think that's the best way of looking at it. It was his job to win, but also his job to lose. And I'm excited to see um, what he can actually become with a coaching staff that trusts him, that uh, likes him, and that actually wants to see him succeed. There are still questions with the offensive line. Of course, we made the trade earlier in the week for another tackle. That's the the second year in a row, of course, we didn't have the, the Trent Williams cloud is not over our head like it was uh, last year. But the offensive line still poses a lot of questions. But now that we know Dwayne Haskins is the starting quarterback of this franchise, I do think it's fair to dive into the conversations as to what can we realist- realistically expect from Dwayne Haskins as the starting quarterback. Like from a numbers perspective, and a wins perspective. I, I'm not saying, I don't think we're going to be competing for a, a postseason spot. I know they expanded the postseason this year, but I, I don't think we are there as a team yet. But I certainly don't think we're going to be as bad as as some other people with bigger national platforms than I have seem to think we're going to be. I've seen like 2-14, and 3-13. and 13. I, I don't see that. I really don't. And I and like look, some of those people that are making these outlandish predictions like that don't actually follow the team. They don't actually watch the team. So I get that. It's very difficult to watch every single team. Sure, whatever. But the two and fourteen, three and thirteen stuff is straight up stupid. It doesn't make any sense, and I don't see this team uh being a three and thirteen team. I think the the much more realistic expectation would be somewhere between five and seven wins. I think five and seven wins is significantly more realistic offensively I do think we have a ton of playmakers our wide receiving core can get better we will dive briefly into that uh, momentarily with Muhammad Sanu but I think our wide receiving core can get a little bit better but we have a lot of playmakers on offense and I think Dwayne Haskins numbers are going to reflect that I've kind of taken a look back at some of the other younger quarterbacks uh, and how they fared in, in their second season I looked at their second season for guys like Darnold and and um and Josh Allen, and I see Josh Allen's numbers in his second season, which I thought he was much better last year um, than his rookie season. Obviously, it was the organization giving him kind of the keys, and Josh Allen put up 3,000 yards, just shy of 3,100, and 20 touchdowns. Sam Darnold in his second year, I mean, he had the mono thing going on, so the numbers are a little bit different, but he put up 3,000 yards and 19 touchdowns in his second year. Lamar Jackson in, in his second year put up 3,127 yards and 36 touchdowns. He also won an MVP, so I guess that makes things a little bit different. And then I look at Daniel Jones's numbers, and Daniel Jones put up 3,027 yards and 24 touchdowns. So with all that information, I'm not just like preaching on some of these other quarterbacks, but with all of that information, I do think it is realistic to kind of enter the season with expectations of Dwayne Haskins being a guy that is capable of touching 3,000 yards and flirting with 25 to 30 touchdowns. It's a lot, yes, but we know what this guy has arm talent-wise. You know, Scott Turner is saying he has a, a trigger for an arm. I 
For the life of me, I have never heard a, an arm described as a, a trigger. I've heard cannon. I never heard the trigger thing, but Scott Scott Turner says it's a trigger. So I'm going to I'm gonna assume that it's a trigger. I'm going to assume he knows what he's talking about. He's the coach. Dwayne Haskins now officially has a trigger for an arm. So I will take it. I think cannon is still a better word, but I think Dwayne Haskins realistically can touch 3,000 yards. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. I didn't mention Mahomes' stats because I think Mahomes is out of the realm of possibilities. Even the 36 touchdowns for Lamar Jackson, that might be out of the realm of possibility for this year. Now, in the future, who really knows? But the Ravens also had a very unique offense, so I almost didn't even want to include the Lamar Jackson numbers in there because of the uniqueness of that Ravens offense because we know that Dwayne Haskins is not going to be running anything near to what that offense was. We don't need to see Dwayne Haskins in the read option. As much as I loved and wanted to bring about some of the weird, unique formations that we could run in last week's podcast, Dwayne Haskins running the read option is very much not a thing that needs to happen. But I do think because of that arm talent, because he has the ability to be a very, very good pocket passer, 3,000 yards is kind of where I'm setting the bar at here. I think Dwayne Haskins can go over 3,000 yards. And I will say, if he goes over 3,000 yards, and if maybe, just maybe, he starts flirting with 3,500 yards, I think this team is closer to a seven-win team than it is a five-win team. I do think that will be the difference. And sometimes I think we kind of get a little bit carried away with some of these numbers because we have seen like almost these video game type statistics in recent years from quarterbacks. But 3,500 yards is a lot of yards for a quarterback. Like I think we need to just put that out there in stone. And it seemed like if Daniel Jones would have gotten all of the starts last year, he would go over 3,500 yards and he might have gotten 30 touchdowns. And here's the thing. I think Dwayne Haskins is a lot better than Daniel Jones is. So if those are the numbers that Daniel Jones was putting up with an offense that had Saquon Barkley and guys that I don't think our playmakers are worse than by any stretch of the imagination, I think Dwayne Haskins should be putting up those sorts of numbers in a full 16 games. Whatever he does, I think it's going to be better than Daniel Jones. And that's kind of bar number two. So I have two bars. I have the 3,000 and the possibility of maybe, you know, 25 touchdowns. And then bar number two is just better than Daniel Jones. Those are the only two things that realistically I'm focusing on in terms of production from Dwayne Haskins in his first year. Because I understand this is going to be a long rebuild. This is not just a quick turnaround. This is not just us automatically getting to the postseason and having this miraculous run although I would love it if that does happen, this is the first step in what should be a long rebuild. And I think 3,000 yards and 25 touchdowns is the perfect starting place for Dwayne Haskins as a first-year starter in the NFL with a group and a a coaching staff that actually believes in him. And from what I've seen on Twitter, at least from the players' perspective, the players actually believe in Dwayne Haskins, and I do think that makes a real difference. Now, as far as those playmakers go, a lot has been said about our group of wide receivers uh, on this team, and that, I think, kind of got magnified when Mohamed Sanu uh, no longer became a New England Patriot and officially hit the open market after the Patriots did what I would describe as like the perfect quintessential Patriot move, which is cutting a a well-known name at the wide receiver position, or any position for that matter, 11 days before the first Sunday of NFL football. I mean, that's like such a Bill Belichick thing to do. We don't have any tape on the guy since last year and last year with the New England Patriots. uh, Quite frankly, he was not very good because they just didn't fit him into the system. And here's the thing with Mohamed Sanu. Don't let the name like really draw you too much in 
I don't want to bash the guy. Uh, I think if if he's available for the right price, I think you pull the trigger on him, and I think you bring him in with the understanding that he is at absolute best, at absolute best, the second wide receiver, but he's more likely the third wide receiver with our group. Terry McLaurin is obviously number one. Like, get that out of the way. He is the best wide receiver on this football team, and he is one really, really good season away from putting himself in the conversation as one of the best guys in the league. I'm dead-ass serious with that. Second, I think, is Steve Sims Jr., because that dude is just one hell of a playmaker. And then you can kind of factor in Muhammad Sanu if we decide to go that direction. Now, there are a couple other guys on our roster, particularly Antonio Gandy-Golden, who I've been uh, overly fond of for a number of different reasons. One, from a uh, positional and a skill-wise uh, discussion, I just think he's awesome. We also went to the same college, so I'm pulling for the guy. Uh, with that in mind, though, I have seen a lot of great videos from AGG during workouts, but as we have gotten into actual training camp, it seems like the conversation surrounding him has gone a little bit quiet. Again, it falls back on not having preseason and not actually getting to see the guy go out there and compete on the field against opposing teams and only living through the tweets of reporters and people that cover the team. So because of that, we have not heard a ton about him lately. I think he can still be good. We just don't know for sure. So with that in mind, I think the Mohamed Sanu move does make sense. But you have to realize what he was, right? And his contract with the New England Patriots and with the Atlanta Falcons, it was a tad pricey. It was just about $6 million per year. But here, this is, here is three best seasons. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. Here are Muhammad Sanu's three best seasons. You had 2014 with Cincinnati. He had 790 yards, five touchdowns. That was the year, if I'm not mistaken, that Cincinnati was really, really good. And Andy Dalton, yes, Andy Dalton, was realistically in MVP conversations midway through the season. What a crazy year 2014 was. He ended up getting hurt. They lost in a playoff game that they should have won because Vontez Perfect is dumb, and the rest was history. Then in 2017 with Atlanta, he had 703 yards and five touchdowns. And then the following year, he had 838 yards and four touchdowns with Atlanta. Those are his three best years. So he's better than Paul Richardson is kind of what I'm getting at here. Because Paul Richardson had one really good year in 2016 where he had 703 yards and six touchdowns. And then we paid him way too much money. We can't fall into that same scenario here Although, given the timing and given the circumstances, I do think this is a very different scenario. Because, again, it is 11, 10, 11 days before the start of week one on a Sunday. I mean, we're a week away from the actual start of week one with the Chiefs and the Texans. So you don't have a whole lot of time to integrate the guy into the offense for week one. Is it possible? Yes. Is it exceptionally likely? No. So we should operate under the assumption, even if we do sign the guy, he's not getting a whole lot of time in week one but I think if he can get some form of production similar to one of those three years in Atlanta as our third guy I think you pull the trigger on that one I think you do as long as the price is right and I bring up his contract with Atlanta because I feel like Atlanta and New England because of the trade that's how that works because I feel like if he was getting six million dollars a year on his last contract and he just got cut in early September, 10 days away from the start of week one on a Sunday, any price over two-thirds of what $6 million was is probably too much. 
So anything more than $4 million for Mohamed Sanu this season is likely too much. And if you are spending more than that, it is should be considered overspending. And that's my biggest fear because I don't want us to be in that Paul Richardson situation again. We overspent for that guy. We thought we saw potential. The potential was not there. Do not fall for this again. Do not fall for this because you recognize the name Mohamed Sanu. We know what type of player he is. He's a good receiver. He's a very good wide receiver, but he's not a guy that you should be paying more than $4 million for based on the nature of how he was released from that team. I mean, he got cut from a team in the New England Patriots who might have a worse wide receiver room than we have. I mean, for all the talk that people give our wide receiver group, New England's might be worse. So if they're cutting the guy now, that does mean something. Bill Belichick doesn't just accidentally make moves. And more often than not, he is on the right side of history with the moves that he makes. So with that in mind, do not overspend for Mohamed Sanu. But if you can get him for cheap, I'm with it. Anything to bolster the the amount of playmakers we have on offense is something that I'm absolutely for. Personally, if you would have given me the option between Mohamed Sanu and Josh Gordon, I would have taken Josh Gordon. We now know that he is a Seattle Seahawk and that is out That's now not a possibility, but had that have been the two options, I would have rather taken Josh Gordon. If it is Muhammad Sanu or Antonio Brown, uh, Antonio Brown can kick rocks. I don't want him anywhere near this locker room. I will take Muhammad Sanu. If you could just take Antonio Brown's talent and put it in the locker room, that would be awesome. But Antonio Brown, the person, does not need to be anywhere near this Washington football team locker room. So those are my brief thoughts on Muhammad Sanu. If you can get him for a good price, I do think he is worth the... Risk is not the right word, but I do think he is worth it if it is a very, very nice price. All right, and closing up this edition here uh, of the Pigpen Podcast, uh, about 10 days away from the start of the Washington football team season, we have been wrapped up in a whole different load of controversy over the past week or so. This team has had a hell of an offseason. It really has. They have done their absolute best to to kind of go on like cycles of getting mentioned in the mainstream media, and sometimes as a guy that technically is still the mainstream media with uh, the national radio show that I do on the weekends, uh, I, I like blast. I don't really like when our team is mentioned in the, in the national uh, news, mostly because it's never good. Like you had the, the name change controversy. You now had the, the first Washington Post story. Now we have the second Washington Post story. And the second one seems like this is a uh, – Seems like it's a uh, more likely scenario that Dan Snyder might actually get ousted from the team. But here's the thing, and and this is how I've been looking at this scenario. I absolutely hate everything that has gone down with the team from, from that standpoint. Like, I hate hearing more and more terrible stories and terrifying stories, really, of some of the inner workings of this organization and how they treated the women that worked for this organization. It is abysmal, and I'm not rooting for any of it, but I do understand at the same time as somebody that wants Dan Snyder gone, I mean, this does help that that movement. And I don't want more of these stories to come out because they're terrible. They're terrifying. And I don't want these, like, it sucks seeing all these women go through pain because you know, like, to us, they're just stories, but to all the women that were involved, like, these are very real things. And that is exceptionally important to to recognize as you sift through some of the news and some of the details of this story. Like, this is stuff that actually impacted people's real lives, and I don't want to take that for granted. But it does seem like we are at a point now in the story because ESPN said that they were going to they were going to have some form of interview 
uh, or multiple interviews, I would say, um, with some of the, the women that were involved in the story. It may have been some women that even weren't named in the story that are now just uh, coming out with their story, which spells doom for Dan Snyder. And at a certain point, the NFL is going to have to step in. They are now taking control of an investigation. It seemed like Dan Snyder was like, yes, I told the NFL to take control of the investigation. Maybe he did. I think that's nonsense, though. I think that was him, like, kind of his, like, final, like, hurrah, at least posting on Twitter, like, this is what I wanted. It's not what he wanted, because once the NFL takes over this investigation, there's a good chance they're going to find a lot more terrible things, and Dan Snyder is, at least it seems, given the way things are going, there might be a realistic chance that Dan Snyder is done here. I don't have any, again, I don't have any inside sources, but I'm just going with a kind of a gut feeling here. Uh, eventually, Roger Goodell is going to have to put his foot down when it comes to this sort of activity in his league. And for what seems like years and years and years, he has consistently made the the wrong decision the first go around. So at some point, he is going to have to get it right the first time and make an example out of somebody. It just so happens, based on the timing, that Dan Snyder might end up being the guy who gets made an example of. And again, the stuff that the women are saying is very, very important, and we need to treat that as such. But the benefit for us as fans is that it likely means Dan Snyder is gone. Sooner rather than later. At least, I mean, fingers crossed at this point, because he's completely driven this organization into the ground. And I do think there are so many, so many better options that could do great things with this organization and not make it an absolute hellhole for women to work in. And those two things paired together spell success. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the uh, this edition of the Pigpen Podcast. I hope that I hope that ending wasn't like a downer. It wasn't really intended to be, but I do think I can't just not mention the fact that Dan Snyder could be on his way out here in D.C. But let me know what you think of some of the other topics, specifically about Dwayne Haskins and what you think the production of him can be. And should we target Mohamed Sanu at a reasonable price? Or do you think we should pay him top dollar? Let me know at Denton underscore day on Twitter or in the comments uh, down below on hogshaven.com. Until then, I'll see you next week on the Big Ben Podcast.